What's your mom? A working mom. And what did she write? The working the mom. The working mom blueprint. blueprint. And what should they do? Go buy, buy it today. The Working Mom Blueprint is now available wherever books are sold. Go grab it for yourself, for a friend, for a sister, for a colleague, so we can help working moms, all moms, to thrive, not just survive on their motherhood journey. Welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full-time pediatrician and a full-time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. And welcome back to the Modern Mommy Doc podcast. Today, I am really thrilled to have our guest, Denise Hamilton. She is the founder and CEO of Watch Her Work. Denise, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's a thrill to be here. So Denise, I always like to start out the podcast by having my guests explain kind of their story. What is the thing that made them so passionate about the work that they do? Because like you, um, a lot of the work is about passion. It is about kind of like labors of love. So tell me what got you really excited about Watch Her Work? Why did you start it? What's your story? Well, I've been an executive for about 25 years, and um, I had been the only woman or the only African-American in so many different situations that um, I became kind of a lightning rod for mentees. Everybody wanted to pick my brain, take me to lunch. I could have gone to coffee 11 times a day. And it struck me that people were really hungry for information, but quite frankly, the critical mass, there just weren't enough of us to kind of service and support all of these women that needed this advice. Also, um, you know, I don't know it all. And, you know, Linda doesn't know it all. Terry doesn't know it all. I was like, there's gotta be a way to use technology to kind of aggregate all of these stories in one place, um, all of these answers to the most regularly asked questions. And so I did that. I turned on the camera and I started filming. I started um, reaching out to entrepreneurs, executives, thought leaders um, about different subjects, everything from how do you ask for a raise? How do you tell your boss you're pregnant? What do you do if a client hits on you? What do you do there, right? So all of these different subjects that kind of people expect you to know what to do. I didn't know how to negotiate severance. Nobody had ever told me that. Um, Like, so by kind of asking really talented women, all of these great questions and putting them all in one place, we kind of get to all benefit from that expertise. I was also really struck by the fact that I think that ambition can be anywhere 
right? Just because you are born in It's Bits, Mississippi or a little bit Iowa, that does not mean that you can't be a VP of the you know largest bank in the world if you work really hard. And so I wanted the opportunity to also democratize access to information. I just believe you shouldn't have to have powerful friends to have powerful information. I just don't think that's how that should go. So um, we now have about 7,000 videos, um, with the goal of 10,000 by the end of the year um, on all of these subjects from parenting to money to even where should you live? Like, as you think about geography and childcare and you know all, all of those kinds of issues. And so um, it's grown into an incredible consulting and professional speaking business. And so I speak on stages um, to uh, women to support them in growing their careers. But I also consult with leadership teams on how to better support women um, to be successful in their organization. So really excited and passionate about this work um, and think it's really like the, almost the most important work of our decade, because as we saw at the end of last year, how many women left the workforce? Um, we got to be more, far more proactive than we are in supporting the authentic needs of women. And so that's the place that we live. And that's what we do at Watch Her Work. I absolutely love it. And I think two things that came to mind for me. Okay. One, yes, in my business and business in general, so much of it is like, if you know people, then you get the position. If you're, if you have the money, then you get to make the money. If you have the right title, then you get to network with the people that have those titles as opposed to it being information that's accessible, like you said, to people who are trying their best, but they might not have had that same upbringing to allow them to have those connections. They might not have the same resources. They might not come from a place of privilege, like, or parents who are educated. And of course, there's always racial inequities, there's socioeconomic inequities that make it so that absolutely people are not on an equal playing field when it comes to being able to rise and to pursue their careers and to get to the level and reach their maximum potential. So that's awesome. And then the second question that came up for me is when you reached out to these women and to these experts who recorded these videos and gave you the information, I feel like about 10 years ago, everything was about lean in fully, kind of play the game, be like in a man's world, but don't be like a woman, kind of just be like exactly how they are. And that's the thing that's going to move you forward. And my sense has really been in talking to other experts and in my community, that there's this cry from women, like you're talking about of authenticity to say, well, no, I'm going to be savvy, but I really want to come at this from, these are my very real needs that I have. And there should be absolutely no shame in the fact that I need to go pick my kid up from childcare or that I need to take an hour to go make sure that my mental health is okay. So that that way I can come back and be the most productive and the most effective possible. So I'm, I'm interested to hear as you're making all these videos and putting them all together and having experts, did you come across that where there was a turning point or you found that some experts, you kind of had to shift and make sure that you curated it to make sure that it was as supportive as possible for women to be authentic? So it's a, it's a really great question, right? Because I actually struggle with the term authentic. I struggle with it because I don't know what it means because I authentically want to wear my pajamas every day. 
That's authentic to me, right? I, I think that sometimes we frame these conversations around like, are we trying to be like men or if we want to step into space like women? And I don't really look at it either way. I want to be effective. Yeah. What's effective? I don't want the male standard of behavior to be so normalized that I can't thrive and flourish in that environment, right? Like, so so right. that is where I push back against kind of like a male overarching standard. I also though, don't expect the environment to adapt to me, right? Like yeah. if 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 we wear suits here to, to work, we're in a banking environment, like I don't think that we're gonna not, we're gonna change all the rules and now you can wear tattoos and piercings. If that's not what we're doing here, I think it's okay. Every job has a uniform. So yep. I think that there's something in the middle and I really look for that middle, that effective space where what do you care if I leave to go pick my kid up for an hour if I got my work done? Like who, right. like let's get out of this, these notions of kind of like what effective looks like and let's really try to define a new effective and let's do it based on outcomes and let's do it based on deliverables. We as women, we know how to get stuff done. We get so much stuff done in a day, it's ridiculous. So this idea of ownership of your your time and of the parameters and giving yourself the space and the room to ask for what you need. Like you said, like we have some different needs, right? period. Um, and, I, and I think that we have allowed kind of an insecurity in the, in the workplace to allow us to, um, to prevent us from asking. We need to ask, we need to say, I need this and this, but how I'm gonna compensate for that is that and that. And that, that is the conversation that we need to normalize, right? I have watched guys leave work because it's their kid's little league championship and they've got to go coach and nobody blinks because that's so awesome. That's incredible. That's really great. We normalize what we want to normalize. And so we have to ask for what we want or we're not going to get it. Right. And then um, men have to open up those standards and like push it to what is results and what is just tradition and habit. That's what we've got to decouple. Yeah, no, I think that's so true. And it's interesting because I think about it like I actually take a lot of meetings in my car, in the backseat of my car, because it helps me to be the most effective. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I only take those meetings that way if it's a a casual meeting where I'm not going to be on camera and it's with someone who, you know, it's on my team or it's with someone that I already know when we're doing a podcast episode together and I don't need to be looking like extra professional, but if I'm doing a webinar with someone, I'll be with the hair done and the makeup done and sitting there and with the door closed and no one's coming in there and there aren't interruptions. If it's something that, you know, someone's paying me to do, or if it's something where I need to be on and be kind of in performance mode. So I think you're right that there is absolutely kind of a differentiation that happens. Same thing in, um, my office, sometimes I have, so I'm a, I'm a pediatrician in the day, right? And I'll have my kids that need to come be with me. I have to go pick them up from school and bring them and have them sit in my office while I finish the end of the day. So that, that way I have the childcare kind of set up the way I need to. But we do virtual telemedicine visits. And man, it would be unprofessional for me to have the kids actually sitting right next to me as I'm doing those visits, as someone's pouring out their heart about their anxiety and depression. 
right? Mm -hmm. So of course they sit someplace else and I go into a separate office and I make sure that I kind of have that dividing line. But it's because I know that if they were sitting next to me in that moment, I wouldn't be able to concentrate. I would be distracted, right? As opposed to for more casual meetings, it doesn't really matter if they're sitting there with their headphones on and I'm gabbing about our marketing strategy for Modern Mommy Doc, you know, um, with my team. So I agree with you. And the other thing I was thinking about is just this idea of effectiveness in general in our lives. And I love how the conversation is changing for women in general about less product productivity all the time, like less of like, I'm constantly executing and more about, and or I'm doing all the things and more about how do I make sure that in the facets of life that I care the most about that I'm as effective as possible in mm -hmm. my career pursuits, in my relationships with my kids, in taking care of myself. And then that the rest of the things that really don't matter at all, that I'm just efficient with those things. Like, I call that, I have a term for that. I call that selective mediocrity. I think awesome. you yeah. have to pick <laughs> a couple places that you are just boringly average, maybe even suboptimal because you, we don't have the capacity to be brilliant at everything. And when you get a finite amount of energy, what I think I see us doing more often than not is distributing that energy across a hundred things instead of picking the three and being an expert and being a beast and being a monster. Um, we need to learn to step over the laundry Sometimes yes. you just got to look, you just got to shove it in the closet and close the door because you have to focus on this big deliverable that you have to create or this big idea that you want to generate. And I don't think that's how um, we're socialized. I think, you know, your hair is supposed to be perfect and it doesn't matter if you just finished a, a 70,000 page manuscript to turn in, are your nails done? Right. Like literally we have, we have taken majoring and minors to like master's level, right. Of things that don't matter even a little bit, but if we look at even how we think about ourselves um, in relationship to success and failure, if I've got a hundred things on my to-do list and I do 85, I think I failed. I can't, mm -hmm. all I can think about is the 15 I didn't finish. My husband does six and he takes himself out for a beer to celebrate because <laughs> yeah. he killed it. He killed the day he was so accomplished. And I think that cycle of accomplishment of perceiving yourself as accomplished Success feeds on success and creates success. And what are we feeding ourselves? Constant failure. Um, you know, we didn't meet the standard. We're not up to the charge. We're not, uh, we're incapable. We're overwhelmed. I have to tell women all the time, stop saying you're overwhelmed. Stop it. Just stop saying it. It is, it is self-fulfilling that there's a power in words, right? And we, we, we take on more than we really have the capacity to take on. Um, women tend to be on more nonprofit boards. They tend to be more engaged. They tend to be engaged in anything that is voluntary, school work, church work, whatever. And then we say, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. These things are optional. 
They're optional. So I think having the discipline and really the, the courage, I think it's courageous to say, no, I can't do that. I'm, I'm busy. I've, I'm really working on these three priorities right now. And I just don't have the bandwidth to do that. That is a courageous act for a woman. But if you can do it, um, I, I had a, a mentor uh, several years ago, really changed my life. I am chronically disorganized. I mean, I will be late for my funeral. Absolutely. I'm super disorganized. Right. And so I had all these books on my, in my office on the, in the bookcase and it was tame the office tiger and get rid of paper clutter. And you know, it was all of those organization from the inside out. It was all of those, you know, books. And he came in with a box one day, he just put it on the table and he started putting all my books in the box. And I'm like, Hi, like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> he looked at me and he said, you will never change the world by fixing your weaknesses. You will change it by feeding your gifts and your strengths. Stop trying to fix what doesn't work and feed the stuff that does. Changed my entire perspective on life. I don't do that anymore. I'm not organized. I get an assistant. I'm not organized. I have a housekeeper. And if yeah. you literally, I will cook at home. Like, like everybody says, well, that costs too much money. No, it doesn't. Your piece is worth every penny. I really yes. believe that your piece is worth every single penny. So if I will never change the world by fixing my weaknesses. And I only have a finite amount of energy every day. Why would I spend 80 of my hundred pennies I get every day of energy on stuff that will never really be impactful? But if I do the things, if I go into the spaces and I'm like, I'm so good at X and I take X to a three X level, that's where, that's where the magic starts happening. And quite frankly, that's what guys do. They really yeah. ignore the stuff they're not good at. They're like, oh, someone else will do that. And you know who that someone else is usually? Us. Exactly. <laughs> and they focus on the stuff that they're good at and consequently the world rewards them. So I'm, I'm taking notes. I'm, I'm looking at the cheat sheet. If there's a way that I can be more effective um, by really focusing my energy, my attention, by naming and owning my genius, another space that women struggle. Well, I don't, you know, we, I have a wonderful team. No, I'm a hardcore beast. I'm an animal. I killed the game. I am incredible. These words, they feel so uncomfortable coming out of our mouths because you're not supposed to be braggy and obnoxious and whatever. How can you cultivate a gift you can't even name? How are you going to develop it? How are you going to, like how, right? So I think this idea of like naming and owning what your giftedness is and then having the courage to invest in it. Are you a good writer? Invest in a writing coach and get 20 articles and try to place them in magazines. What an idea. Instead of like being small about your gift, what is the thing that you can do to really explode that gift, right? And I don't know how you can do that and attend to every single thing in the house, everything about your looks, everything about, like, I just, it's not possible. No. So I think this idea of selective mediocrity, if we could just pick a couple things, we're just okay sucking at. I think that we would really change our lives. Yeah. And I, 
I hope that people are writing down notes about what you just said, because <laughs> that is the solution, right? The solution is what are my priorities? What are my gifts? Let everything else either fall away. And like you said, walk over the laundry pile, or you have to outsource it to somebody else. And I agree people, a lot of times will give that feedback about, well, like, that's for like rich people, or that's mm-hmm. for that costs too much money, or that's for people who can afford to have an assistant. Or that means you don't spend money on your Starbucks latte today. So that way you can afford to have the house planner. I mean, there are months that when I was started in modern, modern, modern mommy doc that I, we committed to, okay, we're just going to get like chicken thighs and broccoli and a loaf of bread. That's dinner. That's dinner. And it still won't take me all the time, but I'm going to make it so it's as cheap as possible on the food so that that way I can have more money for this. You know, um, for my kids that there's times where I've said, I'm not going to sign them up for the fancy camp. Oh my God. Can we talk about the fancy camp and the 18 sports and the seven different activities? Stop it. Stop it. Like it's such an externalization of your parenthood. Like I want you to spend time with your children, transferring values, not shuttling them around. So other people are transmitting values to them. And then we say, we're so overwhelmed. We're so busy. I don't have time for my dreams, but my God, these are all choices that we're making. And it's hard because there's a ton of pressure, right? There's a ton of pressure like, oh, are you not doing, you can't, you can't just, even think about birthday parties today. You can't have five kids over some cupcakes and some water balloons in the backyard anymore. You have to have like a bouncy house and a this and a that and a that. And it's like, is that really important? Is it? You know, and and it's not, I don't say this to judge people. Your house doesn't have to look like a magazine. Like, like you don't have to have gourmet meals every night. Like we have to figure out where we're going to simplify and not apologetically simplify, confidently simplify because you have a bigger, brighter goal that you're trying to accomplish. I think there's no worse tragedy to me than saying I didn't accomplish that big dream or that big goal that I had because you know I had to stencil the laundry room I had to you know update the I just like you know I mean the stuff that we do and I'm just like I mean okay it's pretty and I want I want to be in a comfortable home I want to eat nutritious meals I want my kids to have opportunities of course but we have gone so far overboard Mm -hmm. and I think the 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 reason that we do that is because we haven't found that core thing we haven't named our gift said this is the thing I want to do with it and aligned that first put that big ball in first then you pepper all the other stuff around it Mm -hmm. Everything else needs to be subservient to that. You have been given a vision, a gift, uh, a, a, an objective for your life. We all have one. I, I believe that. And I think too many people just take theirs and put it put it under the pillow, put it under the bed because yeah. they want to be quote, quote, good mothers or good women. I don't even, and, my, and you can't see me where I, my good is in air quotes. Um, I think that that we have to define that for ourselves. I got, when my daughter, I, I, I was a single mother. Um, I my, got divorced when my daughter was four. And I got this opportunity to run uh, marketing and promotions for AOL for South Florida. 
and great job, incredible. I'm negotiating deals with the NFL and with the NBA. And like, it was just amazing. It was an amazing job. And I got a letter from her teacher. She was in the, I want to say the second grade, third grade. And her teacher said, the note said, we're having a bake sale. Mm. Please, um, you know, donate items for the bake sale. Absolutely happy to do it. Handwritten note at the bottom of the flyer. Your children are only young once. I know your job is important, but please make time for them and bake something with them for the bake sale. I picked up my bag, I picked up my keys and I went down to the school and I talked to her and I said to her, I am a single woman raising a child in a city I have no family in. I literally run half of the state of Florida for one of the biggest companies in the world. Those lessons that I'm showing and teaching my daughter, you don't think those matter, but but where I would really add value is if we bake some cookies together. I said, stop it. You should be an ally. You should be an ally. And I said, I came down here to talk to you about it because I am not gonna be punked or pressured or shamed by your comment, but another mother will. Some people work in two and three jobs. Some people think like, stop it, stop deciding. No one else has the, the right or the, the, even the information to decide what motherhood looks like for you. They don't have the information. So have the courage, I think, to decide for yourself. What will a good mother look like? A good mother takes her daughter to these amazing events that she can see her mom, even with all the challenges, running the world. What a powerful lesson. And I, I think that this war that we have between stay-at-home moms and working moms, enough already. Mm-hmm. I believe that we believe in freedom. Do whatever it is you want to do. You want to stay home with your kids. You have that capacity. God bless you. That's amazing. If I have to work or if I want to work, that's amazing. And we have to row the boat in the same direction and be supportive of each other. No more PTA meetings at 10 o'clock in the morning. Who can go to that? Like, you know, like there's this kind of sabotage, but I think it really comes down to within yourself deciding what kind of mother do I want to be? What lessons do I want my kids to have? And really separating that from money really just pulling money out and making that wish list of like, I want them to be kind. I want them to learn how to work with other people. I want them to learn how to lose and fail. I want them to learn how to make good friends and figure out and cultivate those experiences that allow them to do that and not just throw money at it, right? Activity is not a substitute for connectivity. It is time to run, not walk, to your bookstore or have your fingers do whatever is the equivalent of running to the Amazon store, to online, to purchase our new book. It's called The Working Mom Blueprint, Winning at Parenting Without Losing Yourself. It is a labor of love. I'm so excited to deliver this book baby to you and to help you really feel like you are winning at parenting without losing yourself, mama. If you want to also check it out at the library it's there borrow it from a friend however i just want you to get this solid information so you can start thriving not just surviving in motherhood
I have had that exact same experience, not on a bake sale, but on going to a field trip with my Mm -hmm. daughter and this same, honestly, like bullshit about, you know, let's be real about it's two weeks ahead of the field trip and they go, okay, if you care about your daughter, she's only in kindergarten once, please make sure, you know, you, you, they all need their mom or their dad there, a family member there. And I had to write a note that said, you know, I work in a field where people depend on me. Mm-hmm. I can't tell my office I'm not going to be there two weeks from now, some person is coming in for their eating disorder to come see me. And I'm responsible for making sure that that person heals. And my kids know that, yes, I love them and I want to contribute to them, but that I also have a bigger purpose that's outside of them. And isn't that a really important lesson that I'm teaching them that they, it's not all about them, that it's about your contribution to the world at large. Like, how dare you shame me into thinking that I'm not a good mom? How dare you shame me? And more people need to stand up when they see these incidents and see these, you know, I call them homeostatic. It's a homeostasis. I want to keep things the way they are. No, we're not keeping things the way they are. Women work, women lead, women run whole organizations and they run offices. They're doctors, they're scientists, they're lawyers, and their work is important. Their work is important. I support the group of teachers just like I want them to support working mothers, right? We all need to be in the same gang. We have to support each other because we're working in the same in the same garden. I want my child, my daughter, to think that the world doesn't revolve around her, that she has to make her mark, that she has to be self-reliant. She has to be able to solve problems. I don't do play dates. Make your friends. You come and tell me who you want to go hang out with. I don't choose your friends for you. We've got gotten to this space that we are so committed to being the architects of our children's lives that they don't have autonomy. They don't mm-hmm. have agency to kind of make decisions. And one of the few blessings of this pandemic has been people are getting to know their children. They had a whole year at home with them. And sometimes that was frustrating and infuriating. It can make you completely nuts. But also now you know their little personalities and what they you know like and what they don't like and how funny they are, who's serious and who's depressed and who's really scared of girls or like you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like it's so beautiful. So I just think that that you gotta do it in the time and the way that that you gotta do it. But don't let other people shape that for you or drive that for you. You have a you've good judgment. You love your kids more than anybody else loves them. And just like be confident about the path and the way you have to arrange things for you to excel. Be prepared to make the sacrifices. You know, oh mom, I want to be in the league um, and it's $1,200 a year. Honey, I love you, but mommy's paying for her tuition because she's finishing her degree. And so we can't do that. Like and people say, oh, I would sacrifice anything for my, no, no, because if I plant this foundation, if mom is happy, everybody's happy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and trust in that. And when you can make those sacrifices and you're in a position to do things for your children and with your children, please do those things. But 
we have flipped this thing completely on its head and we're seeing the 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 penalties of that women are fried they're burned out they're trying to be perfect across all these metrics and there it's it's just constant negative feedback of failure who who can live it through that it's not like you can't thrive in that environment yeah. and i want everyone listening to be 100% clear i am so obsessively committed to my happiness I, there's almost nothing more important to me than my happiness. And guess whose responsibility my happiness is? It's mine. It's mine. There's nobody making your life hard. There's nobody rough. You are you roughing you up because sometimes we, we're not doing the laundry today. Put it in the basket and you, go get your underwear out of the laundry basket because mom's writing this article and it's got to be done by five. Mm-hmm. And that's got to be okay. We've got to juggle. It's so much to juggle that you got to let the rubber balls fall, right? If you're juggling a bunch of balls, there's a couple in there that are glass that you can't let them fall. But the rubber balls, sometimes you got to let them fall and just go pick them up a little bit later. And that's okay. I just so appreciate this permission that you're giving to moms. I think that's what it is. It's like permission to put yourself first. And that when you put yourself first, what I have found and what we're always preaching at Modern Mommy Doc is that's not selfish. That in the end makes it so all ships rise. Your kids will be happier. Everyone around you will be happier. Your work will be better when you decide that you are worthy of putting yourself at the center of your life. Absolutely. Ask any therapist. There's nothing more horrible than a miserable mother. A miserable mother can change your entire trajectory of her children's lives, right? Like nothing worse than a miserable mother. So if you love your children, love their mother, love their mother, be kind to her. Cause that is what feeds into them where you're happy. You're not snapping and angry and exhausted and worn out. And you know, you don't, don't buy the finger paints but then you can't finger paint with them because you're so busy making everything perfect that you miss out on those moments to actually connect. That's what we're doing. And so I think like, if there's anything that's come out of this um, experience that we've gone through together with the pandemic, it's time is so precious. Our connection to each other they're so precious. Um, I don't trust the decisions of what that looks like to anybody but me. And I make those choices for how I connect, who I connect with, what that looks like, what shape it takes, when I do, like all of those things. And I just want every mother listening to, to just allow themselves that, that latitude, that, um, that freedom. You are just as valuable as every single other person in your house. And if you teach your children that you're not, what? I'm not sure there could be a, a worse message. I don't want my daughter to see me make myself nothing. Then if, she, if she's gonna grow up and be like me, wh- what is she gonna do? Right. Make herself nothing. I don't wanna teach our sons that, that women don't matter their dreams, their hopes, their gifts, they don't matter. What matters is, are their nails done? Is your hair the perfect color of chestnut blonde? Is your, uh, did you make a gourmet meal? Did, is the bed made? I, I, I would hate to communicate to the children in my life that that's my utility. 
I think my utility is so much more than that. And if I want them to believe that as they grow and become adults, how, how are they going to get that if I don't model that for them? So I don't even, I don't even process it the way that people look at it. I was like, where, where are they going to get it if they don't get it from me? So when we see cycles continue across generations, we're having, like, we look at the number of women on Fortune 500 boards, it hasn't moved in 25 years because we're perpetuating the same cycles. We just put more work on top of women. We didn't take anything away. And that's not how that works. We got to take some stuff away. And so this idea of like prioritizing rest, sometimes rest is busy. What are you doing? Resting. <laughs> because yeah. that, I'm busy. I'm not available. Oh, what are you doing? I'm resting. Because that's busy. Like I'm occupied. Right. That's got to be okay. Because I have, I guarantee more on my plate than you do. Right? Like, like sometimes you got to just own your spot of if you have more than two children, if you have any children and you're trying to work and you're trying to maintain a house, a relationship, uh, uh, you're exhausted. So I need you to be rested. I need you to be fresh and creative and powerful. Two of the greatest um, scientists, when we think about scientists in, in American, in, in world history, Albert Einstein and Sir Isaac Newton, theory of relativity, theory of gravity, both of them were underemployed. Sir Isaac Newton was um, sequestered. Sir Isaac Newton was sequestered because of the bubonic plague. So he was just in the house, bored, couldn't go anywhere. And Albert Einstein was underemployed. He was a patent clerk. He wrote all his theories in letters to his friends in his free time. You need some boredom in your life. You need some space to be creative and to, oh, I wonder what is it? What would that look like? Or, hmm, that's a good idea. When was the last time you were bored? And there is this thing that happens too with our kids. When we don't allow ourselves to have that time to be bored, they don't know what to do also with boredom. And boredom is where creativity comes. The in-between spaces are where we are able to think more broadly when we're able to problem solve in outside the box kinds of ways. When we're in our heads or in kind of go, go, go mode, that's when we're not able to think with the parts of our brains that can be more free. If we don't allow them to be bored, to have some times where they're able to explore their creativity, where they have to figure it out themselves without us giving them, like I do sometimes when I'm having meetings and need to have conversations, giving them something to do, we have to give them times where there is unstructured play, where they have to just figure it out in the same way that my mom used to say to me when she was working and I would, didn't have screens and iPads and all that. Like it's a choice to be bored. So go figure it out. So I think when um, we don't teach our kids to entertain themselves. We don't teach them that they don't have to be stimulated by other people a thousand times a, uh, an hour. Then we open them up to, we've created an appetite for them of always entertaining them. Well, in, enter the algorithms that tell them how to think, how to be, where to go, what they like. You don't even know what color you like anymore because the world is telling you what color you like, right? Because we haven't taught them to think and to imagine and to sit and read a book 
and imagine what color dress she was wearing. Imagine what the sky looked like that day. We are not cultivating imagination because we think if they don't play the violin, they're not going to go to college. So we filled every second of every day with some type of stimulation and they don't really learn how to think how to be right and so i just want to free us up that even if you step away from the the treadmill or the the hamster wheel rather of activities and running your kids and like oh, they're there they're there if you step away from it don't do it in a way of like oh i'm letting them down i'm feeling them do it from the perspective of i want them to have a different skill set and that's the critical thinking skill set that will serve them their entire lives. Activities are great, but not in as much as they cannibalize your imagination. I feel like your entire theme for today is about learning to say no to things because you have something specific you are saying yes to. And I love that. I want to tell listeners where they can find you. Denise, where can they learn more about you, about watch her work? Because this has been so amazing. I feel like this is all just gold that people need to write down, take notes on, listen to again and again and again. So tell people where they can find you and where they can find out more about watch her work. Sure. Um, it's watcherwork.com. Um, we're on social, we're watcherwork TV, and I'm personally on social at official dham, um, Denise Hamilton, official dham. And so on all the places, Twitter and Instagram, and um, also on Clubhouse. If you ever, if you're on Clubhouse and you want to join in live conversations, we have tons of conversations in our Watch Her Work Club where we talk about issues like this and things like this. And so, um, you know, I also am a regular uh, contributor to Morning Joe on MSNBC, and I've got a book coming out early next year. So I hope people will stay tuned. Um, if you want to join a mailing list for me personally, it's denisehamilton.co.co. Um, and I'd love to just hear, like, connect with me, reach out to me on social. I respond. It's really me. If you got a question, if you've got an idea, I love to hear the challenges that women are experiencing so that I can add that when I go into those boardrooms and speak on your behalf, I want to be speaking truthfully. So reach out if you've got a question or a comment or an observation. Um, I love hearing your story. So thanks so much for this invitation. This was so fun. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. Hey mama, if you want more of the Modern Mommy Dog podcast, make sure that you click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd also be so honored if you shared with your friends and on social media with the hashtag Modern Mommy Dog. If you share about something that inspired you or that you learned from the podcast, we'll be sure to share it on our social media as well. Thanks for listening.